Okay, let's go traveling. Uh, over the years, um, ventured to foreign fields. I mentioned Ireland, ministered for some years in Austria. But uh, I guess the biggest adventure was Zimbabwe and Mozambique. Um, I, we had a couple in the church at the time who'd lived and worked in Harare, Harare with YWAM and uh, they came to us here in Norwich when they returned home and uh, talked to me about this church in Mufakase, which is a township on the outskirts of Harare. Um, so eventually Dora and I agreed to go um, for, for a month. Um, we thought we were prepared. Um, <laughs> Not, not on your life. Um, we arrived in the airport and there was a group came to meet us. First of all, they, they sang to us and then the pastor was a very tall man on crutches and then we were loaded into this very ramshackle VW uh, minibus. Um, it literally went on a wing and a prayer. If you were fortunate, your prayers were answered and it kept rolling. If you were unfortunate, it stopped and um, that's how it would be. We drove through past this market, couldn't believe our eyes, how it was there, with all the noise, the hubbub, the people. Um, we arrived at our destination in this township um, on the outskirts of uh, Harare. Um, We were going to stay in the pastor's house in the church complex. The church building was there. His house was in it. Um, well, Africa's hot, isn't it? Near the equator. Um, it's, we didn't pack anything to keep ourselves warm because it's Africa. Everybody knows it's hot. Duh. Um, we... Um, in the evening, it got very cool. The family of quite a few had one one bar electric fire, and they all had anoraks and sat round the electric fire. Dorian and I had no anoraks. We went to bed, piled everything on we got. The rats ran round the eave because there was no ceiling, just the asbestos roofing, and the cockroaches were everywhere, and Doreen swore black was white, that the spider in the loo was the size of a saucer. And that first night she said to me, John, take me home. <laughs> I thought we booked for a month. I'm in trouble here. <laughs> um, uh, the food was very different. Um, we'd never eaten anything like it, obviously. Um, we'd never been in the township in uh, Harare uh, before in our life and had come from, I guess, what was, is a very middle-class English lifestyle. Um, but I was uh, taken around to one church after another to preach and to meet the people. Um, I think we were probably 
chicken and rice to death because that's what you serve your visitors, your guests. So everyone, every place served up chicken and rice, whether they could afford it or not. But we were the visitors, so we were served first and the best, um, which is very humiliating and challenging um, when you're not used to that. Um, but we um, formed relationships. Uh, the time was worthwhile. Oh, I should say we had a week with an Afrikaans farmer. He had an old Dutch-style residence, big house. We had the guest wing. He had a thousand head of cattle and ten thousand acres. Um, it was a totally different world. Uh, uh, a garden boy, a cook boy, uh, you name it, boy. As soon as the car arrived, some lad jumped out and began to wash the car again before it was used once more. Um, it was such a different world. Um, and uh, the night he took us back to Harare, he couldn't drive to the township. He stopped off in the middle of Harare at the bus station and left us because he couldn't cope with a lovely Christian family, but could not cope with. He treated his staff, the village he kept and supplied, and they worked for him uh, wonderfully well, but he could not do that. It was just too far and too much for him to do. The outcome was they invited us um, to go. I should say, by the way, it was on that first trip, we were taken into Mozambique for the first time to meet Alice and Daniel. They run, uh, not least, uh, an orphanage, which we as a church support have done ever since. But we went there. We had to buy groceries to take with us because at that stage, Zimbabwe was luxuriating, but Mozambique was just about the end of the war and there was nothing much. And this pastor had begun to have all the children come out of the woods, out of the forest and turn up at his door. So he began to care for them. And uh, there were quite a few of them. I think they're up to average around 40 now, but it was probably in the twenties or so um, that he just, taken on board, on top of being a, a church pastor and a denominational leader, um, a wonderfully kind, uh, genuine Christian godly man. Um, that was our first encounter in, in Mozambique. Out of that, this church in Harare invited us to become part of their ministry. And over the next five years, I think I spent about a year in total of visits. Dorian and I spent two, three months um, where we went and rented a house uh, in white suburbs because we were advised it would not be wise to be living in, in the township, the only white. The, the children loved it. They would come out down the road after you and say, hello teacher, hello teacher, which was the English they were learning. <laughs> um, the sound of African voices worship him was remarkable. Just something so different, a sound that lived with you. I couldn't sing like them, saved my life, but it was just wonderful to, to hear them. Uh, yes, yeah, so we went back, we did uh, leadership training there. I preached in churches, counseled with people. Um, as I say, we spent uh, 
I spent, we spent six months and uh, another six months on my own just going back there. Um, and it was a remarkable time. It was a deeply challenging time um, on every level, on living, on food, on spirituality, on you think about it. Um, the, the taxes were something to write home about. Um, a lot of the old um, Peugeot seven-seaters were taxied usually with the rear door up. And uh, Dorin's answer to the question, how many people in an African taxi? The answer was one more. Always. If people were hanging off the back, he'd stop and pick up one more. Uh, we got in taxis where the man had to hold the electrics together for the car to roll and uh, he'd pull into a, ga a garage and say, have you got the money please because I need to buy fuel before you go, before we can, I can take you where you want to go. Um, it was fun, it was <laughs> fascinating, um, but uh, as I say the result was we kept on going back and the outcome is this church is now uh, ongoing, particularly Victor um, goes back as often as he can to that orphanage in Namatanda, which is midway between Baira on the coast and um, the Zimbabwean border. Um, I remember one time arriving at the airport uh, there and knew that the, the fee uh, to get in was $30, US of course, and the man looked at me and said 50. I said, um, but no. He said, yeah, but you're a colonialist, so it's 50 to you. <laughs> I know where the other 20 went, straight in his back pocket. Um, you could write books about uh, an Englishman in Africa for the first time. We loved it, we hated it, we had fun, we were deeply challenged and uh, amazingly privileged, really, to have opportunities like that um, uh, just came our way during the course of our ministry. I'll pause there. If you've got any questions you want to ask about that experience, I'm very happy to respond to that. If not, any other questions we'll take uh, later on if you're still sitting comfortably or not. I can't. I said I didn't take you to Mufakose. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you didn't. <laughs> Ever Joyce is a Zimbabwean. Can I just explain a bit? In Zimbabwe, they, 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 they people are stratified. If you are poor and you are there, and it goes up and up until you get to those who actually have money. So they were taken to the deep end. That's where they were taken, in that in, in that suburb. So that's why the experience was like that. It's really proper stratification. You can't see this big house here. It's if you are poor, you are from this one, and it goes with, it goes according to your money. Yeah. Oh, embarrassed. So I agree. I won't even. Uh, it was going to be difficult for me as well. Where it was. <laughs> <laughs> Of the orphanage, what else in the village? Because I seem 
talking about other things to do manage to get water to the village and things? Uh, <coughs> certainly, um, um, the the, the borehole yeah. uh, was that Mozambique or was that? Uh, yeah, that's Mozambique. We um, because the orphanage uh, very often there's there's droughts as well as floods. They have fields, but you may lose your crop uh, by flood or by drought, and um, they needed water on spot when you've got 30 plus children, mixed boys and girls. And um, so from some funding, I think we were involved in raising some of that and working with some other people we were working with in Mozambique, um, we purchased and drilled a borehole in, in the ground of that, that church and orphanage. Yes, so that was meant they've got water. The children get up to a certain stage free education, um, but that's all, not terribly far. We worked with another uh, couple who built um, a secondary school, made the bricks, built the building, and educating year on year, um, uh, years, you know, it's a, sort of like a classical Christian education so they're turning out young people who will be able to get jobs and keep them and play their part in the in the um, local community. Um, because Yes. One of Dorian's stories would be when we were in Rusapi, which is way out in the rural parts towards um, the, uh, the border with Mozambique, and um, we st stayed in there. A, the police came to the evening meeting um, to uh, check us out. Um, B, we were introduced the goat we were going to eat next day, <laughs> only it wised up and did a runner. <laughs> but it was stupid enough to come back for its food in the morning. <laughs> that was the end of that one. <laughs> uh, but the remarkable thing for us was the ladies weren't included in the room where we were dining. And what's more, they came in on their knees to serve it. And if they were on a chair and even a teenage lad came in, the lady stood up and gave the way to the boy. It was, it was shocking as far as we can see. Such a very different culture, but the stars at night in that place on the mountain, the sky was utterly unbelievable. Just, wow. It still exists. It still exists, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, but it's happened. There's, there's no, we have the, all the light pollution. They didn't, didn't have any of that in the rural parts way there. Yes, I understand. Of course it's right. Yes. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Appreciate that. 
and we'd be happy to meet the other lady you're talking about. Are you up for till half past? Is that? Well, no, I don't have to. Um, it's, I mainly talk about talked about my young years and <clears throat> a big thing for some of us and for all of us that were. Uh, years ago was the harvest time years. Um, that's 1975 to 84, thereabouts. Um, when we came out of Silver Road Baptist, there were 11 of us, uh, seven adults and four children. The children had Sunday school in the, the kitchen of uh, a terrace house in Cossie, and we sat in the lounge. Uh, as the church meeting, we had some wonderful time. We were liberated, we were free, we were singing like nobody's business. Neighbours never complained, as far as I can tell. Um, we were having a ball because we were free and clear, no longer controlled by the deacons or tradition or, or whatever. And eventually that church grew to about 500 meeting in the Odeon um, here in Norwich. But that's a long story of the, the progression uh, of that. But along the line uh, we were introduced to a man called Bryn Jones who was recognised as the foremost uh, new era apostle in this nation. He had a powerful impact not only in Britain but overseas, uh, was highly respected uh, and regarded, uh, carried, very charismatic. Um, it was he who developed the, um, the Bible Weeks which were so successful that the Evangelical Alliance started their, their events which still continue because they were threatened by the number of people leaving the churches to join the new churches, the new wave of churches. We, we thought um, and felt this is the revival we've been looking for. This was across the nation and thousands of people gathering uh, to worship and serve God. Um, we went to uh, the Lakes Bible Week, was the first one, a very small Bible Week, but a group of us went. And um, Arthur Wallace was ministering in the mornings, but he was the, really the father of the charismatic ministry in Britain in his day. His books are worth reading, let me assure you. Um, and an American who was part of the, the team from... Um, Florida, the, of Derek Prince was one of the team there for a time. Ern Baxter was ministering in the evening. It was wow, um, unbelievable ministry. He was preaching on uh, Saul and David, head and shoulders ministry and heart ministry. And it was so applicable to our scene and everything we'd been part of that we just knew that we knew we must be part of this and move in it. So we joined the Harvest Time movement um, uh, because um, there were great things happening in the, the churches. Um, new churches were emerging. Um, there was a great air of excitement and enjoyment. Um, the Bible Weeks uh, moved on from there 
to the Dales, and then later we added the Welsh Bible Week as well. Those early ones, um, I remember worship, we had a, a piano and a guitar up front with, what, 5,000 people. We must have spent a minimum of an hour singing in the spirit, never mind the guitarist and the pianist, just wave after wave after wave of worship that was just, everyone caught in it, it was just, God is here. And then some wonderful preaching and teaching. Um, it just, um, along the line, I became a member of the team, but there was one year, I think that year, I'd volunteered to run some children's work. Um, when, when, well, I've done a lot over the years, children's missions and campaigns of all sorts, so never mind my daughter's laughter. <laughs> um, and um, it was a year of many angelic manifestations. Um, Doreen woke me up one night and said, John, John, listen, there's singing. I said, don't be silly, go to sleep, and turned over. But the reports were, there were choirs in the auditorium, the local people lived around complaining that they shouldn't be singing at one or two o'clock in the morning, but there was no one in the auditorium. There was not a soul there. It was God was in the midst. Children were seeing angels. Um, it was just, those are the sort of times we were experiencing. Back in Norwich, the church was growing, um, we didn't have to do anything to make it grow. It just grew. People kept turning up on Sunday and wanting to be part of this move of God. Uh, here in Norwich, I had some difficult time being allowed into some local fraternals because they were very nervous about who I was and what I was, even though I could have a bona fide Bible college background and, uh, and ministry and so on. But that's, that's another whole thing. But as time went on, I joined the apostolic team, um, ministered in seminars in the Bible weeks, um, maybe a thousand week people in a seminar, um, great privilege in Dales, and then you'd go on to Wales to repeat that seminar again with another whole uh, crowd of people. Um, I'd be commuting the country. This was long before traveling to Africa and the like, um, I'd be, I had a circuit of churches in Lincolnshire, Boston and Spalding, in Cambridgeshire, Wisbeach and Cambridge, in Suffolk, in uh, Ipswich and Felixstowe and Norwich in Sheringham and in Norwich. And I was regularly away. Claire told you, will tell you the stories about mum and the girls and Simon, Simon and Claire, uh, weekends when I'm away, baked beans in front of a telly. Uh, we always sat at the table when I was home. Um, Dorian tell tales, we up, our Sunday table always had 10 or a dozen people on it. Um, quite often students from the UEA, Dorian was convinced many of them thought she was a one parent family because they never saw me with her in church on Sunday until I walked in the door and then there, Oh, right, we've been invited here, yes. Um, but so those years were busy, active, fruitful, um, uh, exciting to be part of. I was 
coming home one o'clock in the morning or so, having been to Spalding in Lincolnshire or somewhere, hour and a half drive to get home after the meeting and talking, counselling with people, praying with them. Um, but I'd be up six o'clock next morning and off to the church office and working because I was young and fit and it's, um, it's what you do when you've got that privilege of serving God and seeing him move and do things. Um, it, they were some wonderful times. I can remember sometimes I came home with a Chinese and wafted it under Doreen's nose. She'd wake up suddenly say, I'll make the coffee. Because <laughs> uh, I wanted someone to talk to <laughs> after a trip. I remember the sausage and chip shop in Cambridge on the way out and I'm sure it, I put on far too much <laughs> around the midriff during, during those days. Um, however, I read just this week um, a report by someone who was very close in the movement, Harvest Time, where I was part of it, and it's a glowing report and it's true, but it's not the whole truth. Sadly, my view summed up was we put our hands on the ark. You know that reference. From having that spirit-led worship, we had a choir and orchestra because you had to sell the tapes of the new songs to make the Bible viable. So it's a must, it's a pressure. So hence, that changed. Um, there were things behind the scene in the team. You've read about, um, what's that youth ministry? Mike Pilavachi. There were stories that would have hit the headlines as big as that behind the scenes. And the people who were concerned were disciplined, but never paid any attention to the discipline and just carried on. There were financial challenges who told to say to a church, no, I don't accept checks, only cash. Well, there's only one reason for that. It's going in a back pocket. It's not going to be declared to the taxman. When they paid me in cash, I paid it to the bank and declared it because integrity is absolutely essential. And I had an accountant who took care of me and did that. And uh, Bryn, our key man, became very manipulating and controlling. I've seen men with a name for ministry come from America to the Bible week to spend the week to get time to talk to Bryn and they went home and they hadn't had the time because he was too busy. You know that play, I'm the big man. And no matter how big you are, you're just not, not the man. Um, so, on my last Wales week, having ministered the seminar a week, I said to Dorian on the last night, I'm going in the meeting because I'm on the team, we're on the platform. And uh, I said, when they come, I want you to have packed the car and have the engine running outside the door of the main building. I'm going to come in, jump in the car and go. Because of the things that were going on behind the scenes. We went to um, another couple's home um, Cliff and Eunice Beasley, um, who I still hear from at Christmas time, because uh, they're like me, still going. Um, just retired from full-time ministry. Um, 
as you do. Um, and we went and we talked the night away. But we were literally escaping from this wonderful revival ministry that was sweeping the nation. The implications of that were when I came back, I wrote the letter to resign from the ministry and take the church out. The result of that was an elder in what was the Norwich Christian Fellowship um, that I had appointed as pastor worked behind the scenes and there was a massive division. They formed what's now the King's Church um, up on King Street there. Um, but there was a whole world of stuff that went on behind the scenes. Um, during that process with those elders, um, I, at, on more than one occasion, walked the streets of Norwich at midnight, sobbing my heart out because of what was going on. I talk about price in ministry, um, you have to pay the price at times. Um, and someone who, after that I got back to the office we had at that time, he sat with me and then he went away with the, the rest that were going. Um, and uh, one felt utterly betrayed, people who had made covenant relationship with you. That particularly was Doreen, because many of the men said, I would be with you, John, but my wife. And the wives were going for their friends. And so they had, the husbands, therefore, went uh, with them uh, to that. Um, that's what it is. Um, I think we're getting to the point I need to stop. There's, I would tell you um, about pioneering what I, my view of that era was uh, those who did what they did, some meant it for ill, but God meant it for good. It released me to do things I've done in this city that I would never have done without it. Um, there's a whole story, Festival Norwich 1990s, uh, Transforming Norwich, uh, Street Pastors, Food Bank, Celebrate Norwich and Nor Norfolk. They're all initiatives that I was led to set up and start off um, because I wasn't the church leader of a large church and traveling the country ministering, but could focus and uh, do some things which are still extent, still happening, um, and have made a difference to a lot of people and ministries in Norwich. Do you want to hear any more of that? Or does that cover it enough for tonight? Why did you come down here? Why did you come to this place? In, I think it was 89. We were worshipping as a group in the blue building down on uh, Chapelfield. It wasn't a blue building then. It was Graham Dacre owned it. And he said, you can have a year uh, free in this area because the office was vacant, but he had plans to refurbish it. So we met in there, those of us who continued on, that's only one of the places, um, and uh, came to the, and we were looking for somewhere else to locate. Came to the point, he said to me, John, you've got a week. If you're moved by Saturday, all your stuff will be in the car park. On the Friday, the day before, 
we met the trustees of this building. It looked very, very different inside from the way it is today, I can assure you. There was about 50 very small bentwood chairs and a, an organ you needed someone to pump on the side of it. Um, uh, we talked with them and they said, well, uh, we need to go away and talk as elders, as trustees. Said, yeah, okay, but how long? They said, oh no, you can move in. We'll just need to have our... That was next day, Saturday. And we arrived here. Uh, if you... My belief is out of that, God put us here. It wasn't just our last option, it was God um, making it very clear this is where we were to be and all the ministries we've done since then have grown out of that. I'll tell you the stories of those other ministries I developed at some other time, probably. We're... If you've got any other questions, or if not, you just want to go to close the meeting for you, then. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> well, the latest is City Ministries, obviously, um, which well, the thing that about all those ministries in Norwich was I was always working to bring together churches and ministries to serve together. The, um, there's big stories behind Transforming Norwich and Festival Norwich, um, um, but um, that's why I celebrate. I, I went to a meeting that was the, the AGM of Churches Together in Greater Norwich. There were a dozen or 15 people. It was in a basement in a church hall. Um, Eldred Widely had been invited the day before to do a, to talk to the meeting and I couldn't believe my eyes that this is the interchurch movement in this city. So basically we blew it apart. Started from scratch, had meetings with hundreds of church leaders, did events um, and uh, Celebrate was one of them that came out. I just, I, I looked at the AGM, it's in a hall. There's no non-Christians in sight. This work goes on um, all year, some of it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We shouldn't be hiding. We should be in, in the center of the city, in the public arena and saying to them, every man and his dog, this is the church at work. And so we went there and I had 11 years of leading that and um, some, there's some great times. We did all sorts of stuff, gathered all sorts of people. Um, it's now online only. Um, in other words, they packed it up. It, was, it went that way because the uh, chair of the trustees, because of COVID, he couldn't cope with the fact that I just wanted to to do it anyway, because what's the problem? Well, he was a doctor's husband, so very nervous and still is, and by his articles on the website, very woke too, whereas we were having nothing to do with that. And um, I would have pressed on by now, we'd have been back in the city centre doing it, but um, it really came to an end. I resigned because I couldn't take what was going on. I said, no, I'm out of here. Forget it, I resign as of now and walked away and city ministries came out of that.
and you'll hear a lot more of city ministries in the days to come I'm sure I believe God's in it very much anyway I will stop there don't keep tempting me Thank you. Yeah. I, thought, I thought everything was plain sailing here when I came here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's different. It's, it's called Christian ministry. <laughs> well, you picked up your cross. <laughs> and made a lot of people cross. <laughs>